All right, boys and germs, welcome to Crack Pit episode number 20. And I've got a very special guest on today. Um, this is Carlos, and Carlos is the owner of the Magic Men Company here in Australia, which is a male strip company. Was that what you'd call it? Male a male stripping troop. <laughs> a male stripping troop, fair enough. Um, and recently I have uh, joined in the company uh, working as a topless waiter. And I've kind of seen a little bit more of the insides and runnings of the industry. And it's been amazing, to say the least. Um, so, Carlos, just give us a little bit of a intro to yourself, how you got into Magic Men, and we'll go from there. All right. Well, thanks, Damien. Firstly, thanks for having me on your channel. Um, look, myself, a little bit about myself. I started Magic Man maybe 13 years ago, but before that, I was an accountant um, and I was just working a normal nine to five job and I kind of really just knew that the nine to five lifestyle just wasn't for me and I wanted to do something different. And um, I was very fortunate at that time um, that I was already doing topless waitering and stripping on the side. So I kind of branched off and started my own company and then from there, I kind of just took off. So now this is what basically what I do full time. Okay. And so was it you that established Magic Men originally? That's your original brand. That's your original name. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of different stories about where it actually started, but I was the actual founder of Magic Men as in, you know, when this company first started, it was basically, I think it was about now eight, nine years now. And I was at the peak of my stripping career and I was working for a lot of different stage shows, a lot of different agencies mm -hmm. in the Melbourne circuit. And I kind of just reached the point where I knew that this was going to be the height of my career. It really wasn't going to go anywhere further beyond that point. And that's when the movie Magic Mike had come out. And I just thought to myself, it's now or never. And I didn't really want to start Magic Mike, given that my name wasn't Mike. Mm. But I knew that there was going to be a few of us that probably would like to hop on board. So I thought it just the name Magic Man just made sense. And it just kind of rolled off everyone's tongue. You, you knew what you you knew what the business was about just hearing it from the name so it was you know a natural course of the name choice i guess yeah awesome well and I'm, like we'll kind of get into like the ins and outs of it, but let's let's just take it back to you know you being an accountant um I, like i was going through your 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 socials there so you studied at monash university did you monash and, yeah started monash yes yeah and was it is that were you studying accountant there or what were you mm -hmm. studying yeah yeah, so like every good Asian parents, you know, growing up, you know, my parents really wanted me to be a doctor or an accountant. And, you know, I just thought accounting was probably the easiest out of all of them. So just basically followed my parents and gave accounting a go. Yeah. And from there, so, so what happened? How many years were you doing the accounting for uh, accountancy for before you were like, all right, I'm going to like start taking off my clothes for uh, for money now for entertainment now how did that transition happen okay so basically how that all happened was when i finished uni i um i graduated and it was actually at that exact time my last my last exam on my last semester that my ex well my ex-girlfriend now broke up with me so i was newly newly single i was um you know just out of uni fresh out of uni i was broke i had no money and um I already knew that I was going to be an accountant because I had a, a grad job lined up for a year's time. And during my interview, I remember telling my, uh, my new employer that basically, you know, I'm going to take a year off. And um, basically that year, I did not want to work. 
I just wanted to have fun. I wanted to find myself. I wanted to travel. And, um, you know, topless waitering just seemed like a natural, like a really easy job to get into. Um, so I gave topless waitering a crack. And um, basically from there, you know, really found out that the money was in male stripping. So me being comfortable with my body, I just gave it a go. And um, when the year I just absolutely flew by, I traveled, I did all these things. And um, at the end of the year, when I had to go back to, you know, you know, reality and go back to a normal lifestyle and go back to work, um, I didn't want to let that job go. And this new industry that I found, which just kind of changed, you know, a lot of my perspectives. Um, so basically what I did was I continued to, um, you know, work on my weekends, but then during the week I was an accountant by day and then a stripper on my weekends. So I did that for about four months. And um, one day I got busted in the office. There was a circulating photo of me um, stripping at a hen's party on a boat. And um, that just didn't sit well with the people that I worked for. So they basically gave me an ultimatum that it's either the stripping or the accounting. And um, given that I couldn't see myself as an accountant for the rest of my life, I basically made the call to quit. And that's when all the stars are lined up and yeah. I decided to start my own business. Yeah, sometimes things happen for a reason, right? Sorry, I beg your pardon? Yeah, sometimes things just happen for a reason. Definitely. Yeah. I definitely think, you know, the stars aligned for me and sometimes the timing was everything and timing was definitely in my favor then. Yeah, yeah. Well, good on you. Good on you. Um, and what age were you then? What age were you when um, that kind of decision came up? About 24, 23, 24 years old. Okay. So quite a big decision to make, still very young, really. Well, look, at the time, you know, I made I made a decision based on what was comfortable for me at that time. I didn't know how far it was going to go or where it would take me, but I just knew that I, I couldn't be doing this for the rest of my life. But I knew I found I had a new passion and I just wanted to explore it. So I think it started just with a passion and an idea and, you know, the drive to wanting to explore it a bit more. Yeah, good man. Good man. And, and you, you said, like, getting into the strip. And Come here. What was your first show like? Your first time taking off your clothes? With your legs? So you, you went from uh, a topless waiter. What was the first experience of, right, okay, I've put together this routine. This is my show. Bang. Here we go. What's that? What was that like? The first show that I, I ever did was probably, I was at the time, topless waitering on a boat that went up and down the Yarra. And um, there'd be like 150 girls. It was basically a male review show on a boat. And um, I was so nervous. I just remember being backstage and I was guzzling bourbon and Coke. So I even remember the exact drink that I was drinking. Um, and I just remember going on stage and literally in the blink of an eye, I was in a towel running off the stage. And I don't remember anything in the mi middle other than the adrenaline that was just pumping through me. And um, I always tell guys now that start, you know, magic men and the ones that do become strippers that, you know, your first show on stage, that feeling that you get, that high that from the adrenaline, uh, that's one of those feelings in life where like money just can't, can't pay for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as, as yourself as well, I mean, when you got on stage, how did you feel about it? Oh man, nerve wracking. And like that, it went by in a blink of an eye. 
but I've told the story as well. Like for the first night, the first night I worked for you in the club, just topless waitering. Like I, when I left that, I were, we were just coming out of lockdown last year. So it was kind of like restriction. Everyone was wearing masks and whatnot. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a full club. However, when I was driving home, I had to pull over the can. I had to stop because I was just buzzing. I couldn't focus on what it was. I felt like <laughs> I was on drugs. Like it was just that ridiculous high. Um, so yeah. I, yeah, I had to just pull over the van and just give myself like ten min- minutes to kind of settle down. Cause so I can imagine then, like you know, actually doing it on stage each and every week, which you know, me and two of the other boys do a little bit of an intro show, which we're expanding on. But yeah, it it, it takes a little bit to kind of get used to that feeling. But man, you're right. There's nothing like it in the world. Like no, there's nothing. It's the it's like the ultimate high, and you know. I, you'll never forget it. You know, I've stripped thousands and thousands of times since then. But mm-hmm. I think that first strip um, where you get on stage and that that feeling is just one of those moments you'll, you know, you'll go, you'll get old and you'll still remember it. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely good. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we've got to the stage now where you've, you've decided to, you know, take this route and set up your own company, create Magic Men. How did, how did it build from there? What did you, did you, have a, a venue because right now you have a venue and sometimes have spilled over into two or three other venues. It's a big, it's a big kitlefish. fish, but how did it start? Yeah. So, you know, when I started with this idea, it really was just an idea and I didn't think too much of it because at the time when I started magic men, for me, it was just basically getting a little bit of extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to start a brand where, You know, I met so many of the guys that work in this industry in Melbourne. And I thought to the guys, I said, look, you know, I want to start my own thing. If you guys are happy to come on board, please, you know, you're more than welcome to join me. And it really just started off as a little passion project to try and get some extra work Mm -hmm. on the weekends between me and the guys that I was friends with. Um, It wasn't too long after that where um, emails started coming in and girls started asking us, hey, do you have a show? Um, is there a place that we can go to see you guys? And that's kind of where it kind of forced me to go look out and like, you know, start speaking to owners and, and find a venue. And, um, and then organically that grew itself as well. And then next minute I had to find two venues or a bigger club and then a bigger club again. And then I guess, you know, year on year, I've been very blessed because Magic Man's kind of just organically grown. Um, year on year and as it grows I basically had to re- redo my business redo my systems to make sure that I can actually meet the demand yeah well like because I can see it now like the size of it and it, it, on one of the biggest nights if we have a spillover into club, it's it's almost 700 clients we're looking after and that's not even yeah. including like guys going out to private shows because i i've seen like caesar and will and, and all the boys like they're sprinting literally either sprinting between clubs and sprinting back from jobs all over victoria so like it, it's it's a huge operation right now it is yeah it's like you know sometimes it's hard because when it's happening then and there we're just literally trying to we call it game day because obviously you know we work hard all week planning out these schedules for the guys and then on the weekends it all happens at, you know this in that you know space for a few hours but um yeah like you know we get hundreds of girls that do come to our shows um we do it in melbourne sydney and brisbane on our saturday nights but then in between those shows 
the boys also have their own private shows that they got to go to and kind of as a balancing act every single week. So you can imagine there's never a dull weekend, but it goes pretty fast. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And I suppose just we'll kind of dig into that as well. Like this has been for you building over the last couple of years. Now fucking COVID for all businesses in the world right now, right now, there's nothing that will fuck your business more than COVID. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so how has that affected Magic Men? Um, look, to be honest, COVID's probably been the worst thing that's happened to Magic Men out of all in the entire time I've had the business. Um, you know, the fact that the business is, you know, not being able to run, but not because of business itself, but because of external things out of your control is probably... I think every every owner's worst nightmare that, you know, your business is completely something that you've built from day one and that you've grown and you've put your heart and your soul into it is suddenly not able to run because of a limitation put on, you know, that's got nothing to do with your business. Um, for me, it was definitely something really hard to get my head around at the start, but I think, you know, basically it forced me to reevaluate my business and how I was doing things and see where there were other opportunities where I could take my brand. Um, for me and Magic Men, what we basically did was we went virtual and we noticed that, hey, that we had such a big following on social media that one of the untapped resources was the fact that we could now maybe go online and start doing online shows and reach, you know, reach the girls around the world who can't physically come to a Magic Men show. Now they can, I guess watch us virtually online. So that was one avenue. Um, and then the other avenues, we had a big database of, you know, a lot of female clientele and a lot of male clientele. Um, and we decided to start an online course. So basically Magic Man went from an events and agency business to more of a e-com and a virtual strip show. Yeah. So I guess we evolved to try and get us through, but we're also looking forward to doing what we actually wanted to do with you know i love we're still in performing yeah good stuff and is the the east of the like you know the selling of merchandise and the virtual shows is that something that you think you're going to continue out out beyond covid like in the year like in years to come is this or is it just a temporary thing i think with anything um you know for, for me when we first did this it was really more of just you know grasping at straws trying to find you know it was more of a survival mechanism that kicked in to then go and pivot into something like this just to keep the business going. Um, but, you know, now that we are coming out of COVID and we are going back to reality and our normal business, I think it's now the conversations more developed how, you know, with this new thing that we've done, we can bring it into our current business model and how we can actually make it, you know, more of a product and put a bit of love and a bit more thought into it rather than, you know, our intentions and our motivations behind it is now different. It's not so much survival, but more so how can we, you know, accentuate our brand and how can we bring better value to our customers, you know, through these channels. So we're coming at it from a different angle now. So I guess the type of content we'll be putting out will be different as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and talking about content as well, like it seems like, well, for most businesses now, social media is such an important element of 
your brand and uh, if you're not on social media you're pretty much dead in the water now it used to be email listing and stuff like that um although i don't know if you've seen smorna something happened with facebook and instagram but dropped out of the i know first time it dropped out for six hours it was absolutely crazy i thought yeah. the world was loose but something was wrong with the internet or something yeah, I, I didn't know what the fuck was going on before. And I was like, why can't I upload a story here? I don't know what's going on. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that'll be like shitting themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, it is like, you know, that's the world of marketing right now, you know, social media. And definitely uh, Magic Men have a huge uh, social media presence. But I just want to chat about one of your, one of the lads, Will, Will Parfit. He's known around the world as the TikTok guy. And yes. he, he's, become, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I've, when I've been um, working at shows and whatnot, and I'm like, you know, you, you get pictures, you get photos and videos and uh, stories and you put them out on your Instagram. And I have so many friends from back at home in Ireland. that are like, oh my God, that's the TikTok guy. I'm like, what are they talking about? But it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Will has become very, very popular on all channels and so, social media. So how, well, let's get into it. How did you meet Will and how does he fit into the, the pie here? Okay, so yeah, like I met Will probably about five, six years ago now. And, um, you know, it was at a time when I had a nightclub and he came into the nightclub and one of my our mutual friends basically introduced me and he said, hey, look at these two English lads. Um, you know, they're backpackers and um, you should get them because they're rigging. And, um, you know, one of them even looks like Channing Tatum. And um, at the time, look, I didn't see it at all. I was like, oh, okay. Um, but, you know, our business was growing so much. We had the shows um, every weekend and we're just so short staff. I decided to give him a go and put him at the club. As you know, Damien, when you first trial at Magic Men, you got to go in, you got to do your first shift for free. And basically, we kind of see how you interact with the girls. Um, but more so, we want to see how the girls interact with you back as well and how they find you. And um, it was really surprising to see on the night that, you know, all the girls loved Will because he walked around with this goofy smile and um, he was so innocent at the time. And um, yeah, and a few comments were dropped about his kind of look towards Channing Tatum. Again, I never really saw it, but I think, you know, with Will being in this industry, the longer he's been in and the more people that say he looks like Will, you kind of naturally start, you know, organically changing the way you groom, changing the way you dress, training. And I think he's become more of a Will look, uh, Channing Tatum lookalike as the years have come on. Yeah. Uh, well, and then, yeah, obviously because the, the movie that came out, like if Channing Tatum was never in Magic Mike, you know, it, it, would, would this uh, recipe have worked? I don't know. If Magic Mike never happened, mm. it's really hard to say whether Magic Man would have ever even happened because yeah. of it, you know, we were definitely inspired by the opportunity that Magic Mike opened up for us. But I think that's with anything in life is when, you know, you see an opportunity and sometimes the timing is good and the stars are aligned. You, you kind of just got to take a leap of faith and, and go for it. I don't think the business may not be called Magic Men, but I still feel like there would have been a business um, because I would have seen another opportunity to then basically go in and start my own business. So it was always going to happen, but whether it was called Magic Men or not, who knows? Yeah, you know? exactly. Well, you know, there was, like when I came out here to Australia, it was like fucking back in Ireland, very Catholic country. It, you're not finding strip clubs anywhere. And if you are, they're underground. They're, they're very things that are shunned and taboo and whatnot. 
came out to Melbourne, there's a political party called the Sex Party. It's fucking, yeah. it's, it's fucking brilliant life. Um, and what I've definitely noticed here in Melbourne is you have, like, obviously King Street, and it's every second door is a strip club. Yeah. Do you do you think there's more room for more clubs like what you run? I think it's a... Um, I think there's a growing demand. Mm. And as you know, as people become and, you know, social media and TV and, you know, kids become more desensitized. I think that, you know, each generation that grows up, they're becoming a little bit more liberal, a little bit more free spirited. Um, everyone's a lot more open to sexuality and it's something that's spoken about a lot more now. So I don't think it's as big deal anymore, whether it's a strip club, um, you know, or going to a strip show, it's now really become more of a, you know, from a novelty to more of just like a common girls' night out sort of thing. And um, I think that will pave the way for new businesses to come out of the woodworks and new businesses develop, whether it's other strip shows. It might just be a might just be a bar with topless men or topless women, or it might even be like a Hooters-style kind of business. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I think there's way more opportunities um, nowadays for this industry to grow because it's not so, you know, red-light district. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I kind of feel as well. It's like there is any amount of services out there to cater for males. You know, you, like it, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. And, you know, it when it comes to the balance of what there is out there for females, there, it, the balance is very skewed in the one direction. So I don't know. I said like it, I definitely think there could be room for it. And I think the of what I've seen here in Australia and how it works and operates over here, this is definitely the most open minded place I have been to, well, apart from going to like Southeast Asia, where it's just fucking everyone's into the sex industry. Like, it's like, that's, that's another kettle of fish altogether. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I do see like a lot, a lot of space for that over here and maybe more kind of, even like you're saying, like a Hooters type a scenario, but it's males. Just walk yeah. around serving your food and beer and yeah. Well, Carlos, there we go. We could we might be coming Mate, up with the next idea. That's the next business together. There you go. Yeah, next, giddy. Next venture. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you also mentioned uh, before that you've ran other nightclubs and stuff like that. So you've been in like the you've been in this kind of what hospitality service industry for a while after after obviously you you you'd done the accounting. So when it comes to running nightclubs, like was that before? you 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 set up the show or was that during so when i started looking for like a venue to host our host our shows and basically i um actually found a venue and um it was a it was a female strip club that i first went to and um, it was up in brunswick and it was very dingy at the time and um i remember doing these shows and we only had maybe 30 girls that would come on a on a Saturday night and um, I would still put on an awesome performance for them. But I just remember that the venue that we, we actually performed at would, um, for example, serve them finger food, but they would walk across the road to the kebab shop and get some kebabs or oh, a packet of chips and then put them in a, in a, in a bowl and call it finger food. So oh, I knew that, yeah, basically if I was to stay and host my events there, that um, basically, I don't, I don't think I'd have too much of a business. Um, was that so what I did? Was that yeah. was that uh, location Maxine's? Maxine? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I'm not going to name the business. But, um, <laughs> they're very renowned in the Brunswick region. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we moved away from there, uh, thank God, and into the city. Yeah. And I found a small nightclub at the time that was happy to trial this at the time. And um, th- that venue was called Amber Lounge. And we did maybe five shows in and it just grew. And each week it went from 30 girls to 50 to 100 to 150. And then I remember one night we packed it out at 250 girls to the point where everyone squashed like sardines. And that's when I started realizing that, hey, this is, this is becoming something. Um, but unfortunately, me having left the other business and this being this industry the way it is, um, what I didn't expect was um, that they would, my competitors would send the liquor license and police to come in and try and shut the show down. No way. So yeah, towards as the brand was growing and it was really becoming something and it was starting to boom, we would have the police come in every week and basically try and shut uh, shut down our show. And um, it reached that point where the owners of that particular nightclub, they were just so... I guess they were so they felt so threatened, not mm. understanding you know the legalities behind running a male strip show at the nightclub that they didn't want to take the risk. So I remember it was literally a Wednesday before the Saturday when they gave me the call and they said, "Carlos, we're just not going to do it this weekend. We're going to pull it." And I had probably two days to move 250 girls and find a venue. And um, I was actually very lucky at the time that I had. I knew somebody uh, who owned another nightclub called Fabrique. And, you know, I met the, met with the owner. He said he'd be happy to help support me and take me on board. And luckily, Magic Men found its new home at Fabrique. Um, and then from there, it just grew like wildfire. And before you knew it, I was bringing, you know, it was one year down the track, the business was growing, the brand was growing. And we reached that point where I came to the owner. I said, look, you know, I think we're about to outgrow this club. Um, is there an opportunity for me maybe to buy in? And they basically, you know, allowed me the opportunity to buy into the into the business. And that's how I basically became a nightclub owner. So, so you bought into Fabrique? So I bought into Fabrique, yeah. And, um, you know, as we, and then when we started outgrowing Fabrique, I was like, look, I'm going to need a second venue. And that's when another nightclub just down the road, I knew they had a quite a good venue as well. And that was the time when I thought, look, if they want me to bring magic men over there to their venue, then, you know, they've got to offer me a share in the business. So I basically approached them and said, Hey, you know, how about, you know, you letting me buy into the venue in return, I'll bring my event into the nightclub. Wow. That, that's a smart way of operating. Yeah. So like it, it does the venue and um, has a stake in the game as well. And uh, like, and, and you have a, then you've a, a slice of the pie from the venue. Exactly. Exactly. So it goes kind of both ways because obviously with nightclubs and that's one thing I've learned about nightclubs is, you know, the way that they make their money is, um, you know, they run different nights on different days and, it's hard for a nightclub to have a demographic in the hens market industry, or it's hard for them to have, you know, if they want to run like, for example, an Irish night, it's going to be very hard for them. Mm. Um, but the way they would do it is they would then approach promoters and promoters in communities where they've got a following and then basically get them to run the night in their venue. So the venue would take the bar 
and then the promoters would take generally the door. Very good. Oh, this is an insight to the, the nightclub world. I didn't know. I didn't know at all. Yes, some nightclubs work. Yep. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, um, and so where, where um, Magic Min is now in, in Pran, in Love Machine, is that kind of the same scenario there? Um, or Yep. So yeah, we would now host our shows in Pran at a venue called Love Machine. Um, it's actually a little bit different. I um, From that story of me owning two nightclubs that basically sold out, long story short, yeah. sold out of those, but I ended up buying into another nightclub called Alumbra, which was quite a large nightclub in the Docklands. And um, maybe three years ago, um, that venue basically sunk. Um, it was on the end of the pier and um, it was August the 19th, 2019 or 18. And basically one night council came in and they deemed the, the pier to be unsafe and all the businesses on the pier basically overnight lost their business. And um, it just came in one day, just shut the show down. And um, luckily for me at the time, I was using Love Machine as my second venue. So when we have a spillover, we would typically use that venue. So I had already had it in with that venue and basically moved all the girls from Alumbra to Love Machine. And now we're there. So now Magic Man runs from Love Machine. Holy hell. Yeah, Jesus, you've been in so many spots. Like, yeah. So Magic, like the, the show Magic Man, 12 years, 12 years running. Eight years running. Yeah. I've been stripping for about 12 years now, 12 years. Okay. So yeah, you've, you've literally like darted yourself all around, dotted yourself all around Melbourne, pretty much. I don't think yeah, there's not too many nightclubs left in Melbourne that I haven't tried to run a show at, but um, yeah, definitely moved around a lot. Yeah, well, it just shows, it goes to the show. Well, one, your resilience when it comes to uh, you know adapting when yeah. you're met with adversity. So that that I'll tip my hat to that. Um, so currently, you know, when we get out of uh, what we're what we're in right now, this COVID scenario, we get the show back up to where it was before. Where do you see the future of Magic Min going? Or have you projected that? Or Yeah. So look, my projections for Magic Men and, and my business, you know, I've always, you know, benchmarked my business, not with other businesses in my industry, um, but I've always wanted to sort of align myself with, you know, businesses that are, you know, your everyday brands. You know, I want Magic Men to be the next stable brand, same as like McDonald's and, when you say Apple, people know that when you, you know, say Apple, you identify with the phones and the laptops. And, you know, when you think McDonald's, you think fast food. And, you know, when you think, you know, F45, you think sports and fitness. You know, I want Magic Men to be that brand that when people think, you know, Hens Entertainment, Girls Night Out, they think Magic Men. Yeah. So my aspirations is more so to take the business to where it needs to be, to be that everyday brand and the go-to for sort of Hens Nights and entertainment for women. Yeah, Jesus. Um, if I ever go back to Carlos, or ever go back to Carlos, ever go back to Ireland, Carlos, I'll take it there for you, a hundred percent. That's it. We'll, <laughs> we'll start a Magic Men Island. Bloody old. <laughs> there's two locations back in Ireland. Like, like off the top yeah. of my head, you have Carrick and Shannon's, very close to where I live, and then you have Westport. Those two spots are hot yeah. spots in the west of Ireland for hens and books parties. So if there was a show or something on there, 
by Jesus, that's where you put it, like. Well, see, this is how this is how Magic Man grows. It always comes from me knowing someone, having a chat with them, and a bit of a laugh. And the next minute, they said, "Have you thought about bringing it to Ireland?" And I said, "No, but I think it could work. Um, do you want to give it a crack?" Yeah. And basically, that's that's how it all starts. Well, so I would definitely be keen. Giddy up. Will anyone listen to this from back at home? There could be a Magic Man show coming close to your door. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, right. So let's just get into a, a kind of some more of the, the, the background of, you know, stripping and whatnot and all that sort of uh, stuff. So listen, I've been involved in it now just for a year, getting getting used to it. Being a stripper is a lot of fun. It comes with a, a party lifestyle. It comes with like lots of fun. Yeah. Does being a stripper affect being in a relationship with someone? I think, I think being a stripper and having a relationship is probably no more harder or easier than if you were in any other industry. And I always tell people it's a misconception the misconception is that, you know, male strippers will get a lot of women and that, you know, they can't hold up a relationship or there's a lot of, you know, misconceptions around that. And um, I say to them that, that I disagree and I think it's not true. Um, the only difference that this industry will have from other industries is probably you get more opportunity to meet more women. So what you do with that opportunity when you're exposed to it that shows your own character. So you can't change someone's character. So, you know, if you, and the best example is if you're a lawyer or you're an accountant or you're a doctor, and, um, you know, if you went to a strip club or you're on a bucks night and you had the opportunity to meet a female stripper or meet a girl out when you're out with the boys, would you take that opportunity? So, or if you put that same accountant lawyer into the venue of Magic Man surrounded with 250 girls, is he going to take that opportunity? It comes down nothing to do with your job or your role, but you, just your character and who you are yeah. and, you know, you, and your own perspective, I think. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I, I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, if it, it just brings out, if you were that sort of character, that sort of person, yeah, and, and that and that, that something is put in front of you. Are you going to like a, a, your true yeah. person is going to emerge? Then isn't it exactly? Yeah. So whether you know if you're a cheater, if you're an accountant, that's a cheater. It's got nothing to do with your you being an accountant. You will cheat, but you probably just won't get as many opportunities to cheat in your everyday accounting firm. But put you in Magic Man, you might have a lot of opportunities. Um, you know. That being said, you know I've been in this industry and met a lot of guys. I know just as many guys that are in healthy relationships, domestic relationships with their partners for many years, as I know guys that would be in a relationship and cheat on their partners. And I don't think it's any more than any other industry or less. Yeah. yeah giddy up. Giddy up. That's good. That's good to know. Absolutely. It's good for people to hear that as well. Um, so we, let's like getting into, you know, the process of if some young fella now is listening to this out there, oh, Jesus, that's the job for me. Carlos, as the owner and the, the scouter of the talent, what are you looking for in a magic man? I think what I'm looking for and the type of guys that I think would make great magic men are people with great character and a good story and a lot of personality. 
I think the thing that's holding a lot of guys back from whether they think they can do this industry is they don't think that their abs are ripped enough or, you know, their biceps are big enough or their bench enough at the gym. And it's a, I think it, I genuinely think it's a limitation in their own head on what they think this industry is about. Because, you know, through, and yourself as well, Damien, I think through learning this industry, you learn very much that, you know, for women, um, and a lot of our clients that do come to Magic Man, it really is so much more about personality and meeting someone that's fun, that's engaging, that can be the life of the party. And that's why someone like yourself fits in so well is, you know, you get out there and you get everyone out of their comfort zone, but it's got nothing to do with your abs or your body. You know, you could be the guy with the best rig, but you could not have the personality. And, you know, that would be a shame because you would miss out on this industry, you know? So I challenge anyone that, you know, wants to get out, have a sociable job to give this industry a crack and um, look naturally when you're surrounded with your coworkers and everyone's fit, you naturally will want to become better because you've surrounded yourself, immersed yourself in a world where everyone is a lot more fit and into their fitness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's definitely, and I, I'm looking after a few of the boys because obviously I've transitioned online now. So I have a few of the boys that I'm just watching their, helping them watch their diet, getting them a training plan, all that sort of stuff. So it's great. It's great at the it's moment. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've, one thing I've also noticed with all of the lads that I've worked with is that you've, you've created like a brotherhood there. The first night I was working, and I wanna, I'm going to give Caesar a shout out here because this was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. So anyway, I'm working there for the first night. Like I'm like a, a deer in headlights a little bit. I'm kind of looking around. Everything's going on. There's all these women here. The lads are coming on and off the stages. So Caesar was actually after finishing his show. He came yeah. off the stage. He had all his clothes in under his arm. And he was kind of coming up the stairs, but he looked. Then he looked down, but he seen I was a new guy. And he stopped. Yeah dangleberries and everything hanging out and he was like oh hey what's your name i was like oh jesus damien oh nice to meet you my name is caesar and just skedaddles on i'm like he's just after finishing his show he's butt naked carrying his stuff off the stage but he still (laughs) stopped to say hi to the new guy yeah Yeah. i think yeah firstly caesar's an absolute legend as you know that he's he's one of the genuine guys in this industry and um you know definitely uh you know, with the regards to the brotherhood, the whole idea about magic men is, you know, you give up so many of your weekends mm. um, away from your normal friends and your family members and you miss out on so many of those things that you kind of, you know, the people that you work with on your weekends kind of become your friends. So we definitely try and create that kind of atmosphere where, you know, every weekend you're really just getting together with your mates and just having more of a night out, but at the same time you're working as well. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. I've definitely noticed that. And it's like all of the boys have gone out of their way to make sure they say hello. It's because you can you can be a little bit starstruck when you get in there. Like I was starstruck because I had a, I knew who the boys were, but they're popular on social media and what, whatever. I can't imagine what the women feel like when they're in there because I'm still starstruck, <laughs> starstruck. I was like, holy hell. But yeah, every one of them, super nice, up for the chat, getting to know each other. And yeah, even me working with Joseph and Sean now doing our little routine, like we've kind of created our own little band of brothers where we meet up every Friday to rehearse this each week because we want to do it right and we want to have it right because we feel like it's like we're part of the show now as well. And it's obviously we want to impress the boss, but, you know, we don't want to we don't want to fuck shit up because I can see 
what all the other boys do and how much effort they put in. And if, if you're going to make us part of it, I want to put in the effort as well, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think, you know, you guys coming on board is just, again, another avenue where Magic Man is now just grown to like a very traditional male strip show where it's one guy on stage doing a show um, to now more of a cabaret, more of an entertainment, more of a like a, a spectacle where, you know, we're incorporating like a group routine with you boys on it. And so I can't, you know, it's early days because it's something that, you know, we never had to do in the past. But I'm really excited, you know, what you guys are doing at the moment and how that's going to evolve and how that's going to change the male stripping industry, you know, from that traditional model into what, you know, stripping will be in the 2000s. So, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm excited, excited to be part of it and excited to see what happens in the future. So we're, we're probably getting close to the end of this now, but I'm, I have a question I want to ask you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically with everything that you've done and you've all the steps that you've taken in order to get to here, looking back, what, if anything, would you have done differently? Mm. That's a good question, actually. To be honest, I've made a lot of mistakes, I think, as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I look back and I can always almost pick, pinpoint those exact decisions that I made, which were bad decisions. Um, and I know that now because I look back and, for example, owning a nightclub, you know, it's a very terrible investment um, for myself, at least. And for so many reasons where the, I feel like the industry is risky and, um you know, I feel like there's a bad return on your investment and your money, but at the same time, it does bring a really great lifestyle. So, but at the same time, I would have never known that had I not owned more than one nightclub and be able to say that. So, you know, I don't regret any decisions that I've made, but I do know that I've made a lot of mistakes to get where I am today. But I think it's those mistakes that have kind of, kind of really honed in and really given me an understanding of what I want, where I need to be and what I'm looking for. So, yeah, I definitely welcome mistakes. I don't think there's anything wrong, but I see them as more learning opportunities um, that have gotten me to where I am today. Awesome. Awesome. Solid answer. Solid answer. And I I suppose we'll finish up with this last round. This is kind of repeating uh, what what we've already said, but um, advice to a young fella that would be thinking about getting involved, what would you say to him? Get involved in magic men or get involved in business? Okay, let's um, yeah, let's go with the business. Let's go with the business avenue first. Get like that's kind of a broad one, but yeah, getting in, if they have an idea of you know business or something like that, what would be that piece of advice you would you would give them? Okay, well, my piece of advice for anyone out there that wants to start their own business is you really got to understand that you kind of if you think of it like a cake, this is this is what you need to have in your cake to have a successful business. You firstly need the idea. You need to have some kind of idea of what it is that you're passionate about and what your idea is. Um, You need to be willing to work hard. You need to understand that there's no idea that's going to stem into a successful business without you being the one that actually feels it. And you put in a lot of sleepless nights, Mm. uh, but you got to be, you got to have that drive and that willingness to work hard for it. You really got to know your stuff as well, you know, and that comes with, as you learn and as you put more time, you'll, you'll, you'll start learning things that you didn't know before. So my advice is that, you know, you've got to be prepared to learn and really know your industry. 
Um, and then the last, the last bit about running a successful business or becoming successful in whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. is understanding that there's an element of it that is out of everyone's control, which is your luck. You know, sometimes the right timing or sometimes when the stars are aligned, there's always that element and that is the final ingredient. It's the one that you probably won't have control with, but if luck is on your side, then that is the last ingredient, which will basically take your business model from something that's just an idea into a really successful foundation. Yeah. Awesome. Pretty awesome. And yeah, if, 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 if you um if you have a bit of fucking skin in the game and that look happens, bang. Bang. Yeah. Look at Will. There you go. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And so, yeah, if a young fellow was thinking about getting involved in magic men, if, I, if there's a guy that wants out there that's listening and they've thought about, you know, should I give it a crack? My answer is definitely put yourself out there and really expose yourself to something that's sociable, fun, make lots of friends. And at the same time, you might even learn a thing or two about women, um, but more so you probably learn a thing more or two about yourself. So come with a really good attitude. And, um, you know, you, I promise, you know, as you and I both know, there's a lot of laughs and there's never a dull weekend at Magic Men and, you know, I've done it for 13 years and it's still, this industry still makes me laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And Carlos, where can people find yourself and find the company on social media handles? Where would they be able to go? Yep, definitely find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, just magicmenaustralia or magicmen.com.au. Fantastic. Well, Carlos, that was awesome. Um, I think we've covered a huge amount of topics there today. Um, uh, I'd just like to thank you again for your time spent today having a chat with me. Um, it's been awesome. No worries, Damien. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you on the weekend. Excited. Giddy up. All right, bud. Take care.